stuff. It's an active month, and uh, we're excited to be a part of it. God's got a lot of good stuff going on, and I uh, can't wait to see all that happens. Right? Good. Good to see you all tonight. Hopefully you are ready uh, for this message. We're continuing in our sermon series, What Is This All About?, uh, where we're going through and just talking about the core values of our church. What is it that we're doing? How are we doing it? Like, what is city life all about? That's what we're kind of walking through and talking about right now. And uh, so we're going to jump into this and continue on walking through some different values. Uh, we do have, forgot to mention this, we do have notes. If you'd like to follow along with those notes, uh, Connor, if you can get those. Um, they're out there in the foyer. Um, if you would like notes here in a second, you can raise your hand and he will get them to you. Um, so I was supposed to mention that at meet and greet and I didn't. I've been trying to create notes each and every one of these messages just as we walk through this. Uh, this is who we are. Uh, something to identify that you can hold on to, look at, um, just go over, remember, refreshed and all that stuff. So if you like notes, you can raise your hands, follow along if you're a little... Like me, and you can get distracted easily. There's fill in the blanks just to kind of help you stay attentive a little bit, um, or just something to doodle on if you get bored. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, so Super Bowl's tomorrow. Super Bowl's tomorrow. How many people are going for the Falcons? We'll see it. How many are going for the Falcons? All right. How many people are going for the Patriots? Going for the Patriots. All right. How many people are going to a party for the guacamole? All right. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well we'll see who wins and uh it'll be fun no matter what right so hey so values why is this important for us to talk about why are these important for us to go through um in this setting in this moment well to understand like who an organization is and understand what they're doing it's also important to know how they facilitate those things out what value should be, value should be things that shape uh, the identity of an organization and set the behavioral boundaries. So they kind of set uh, the culture in motion. This is who we are. This is how we operate. And it helps us to be able to say no to things. It helps us to be able to say yes to some things. It helps us to kind of be able to navigate in a clear direction. Sometimes an organization can be really good at understanding why they exist and maybe even understand what they're supposed to be doing in that, but they don't really set clear boundaries of how they're supposed to facilitate and walk out their purpose as a business, as an organization, or as a church. And so what happens is when you don't have clear set values, people then begin to insert opinions about what you're supposed to do, and then opinion becomes the main idea. It becomes the, the currency of of the organization and whoever has the loudest voice or the biggest opinion often wins out. And then what happens is, is you find yourself doing something that you never set out to do. And so having clear set values, what it does is it helps to keep things in line. So if somebody says, hey, we should do this, we can say, no, we're not going to because here, this is what we value. This is what we're doing. This is how we do things out. Or if we're doing something and it starts getting a little bit crazy or a little bit outside of who we are or what we feel like we're supposed to do as a church, then we can reevaluate and say, okay, have our values changed? Should we re-engage in something a different way? Or should we pull back or change what we're doing because this is who we're supposed 
supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to be doing it. And, and so that is why we're doing this. This is why we're walking through these because it's just important for us to know and it's important for us to understand. So we've been going through and talking about our why. You'll see in your notes there our why. This is for any follower of Christ, any church. We can dress it up. We can put, you know, fun words on it, change it any way. But our why as the church, what Jesus came to establish the church for is so that we could glorify God through our lives and in glorifying him, help others to come to know him. That's why the church exists is so that when we come together, God is exalted, he's lifted up, he's glorified in our worship, in our service to each other, in our love for each other, in our compassion for each other. God is glorified. When people see the church come together, they should see primarily who God is, his generosity, see his character. And in that, it should become something that's attractive, that draws people to him through the church. So that's our why. Our what specifically as a church is we want to be a church that helps people to live a meaningful life. We want to help people walk in meaning and purpose. We believe we have a saying, it's heaven now, heaven forever. It's that, that we're not just holding on saying, yay, I've got Jesus. And one day heaven's going to come and everything's going to be great, but it's just going to be miserable until then. No, he says, right, in John chapter 10, 10, that, we have, that Jesus came so that we can have what? A rich and a satisfying life, an abundant life, some translations say. So it's he's come so that we can have life now and that we can enjoy life now, that in the life that you have, whether you have a full bank account or an empty bank account, whether you've got a ton of friends or a few friends, whether you're good looking and got a ton of hair, whether you're bald and kind of ugly, like whatever it might be, that you can have purpose and meaning in your life, that you can live a life that is full and satisfying and rich and abundant. That's what God has for us. And so we want to be a church that helps people to discover that. And so we've set up the way we do church, even meeting on Saturday nights to kind of help identify identify that and direct people into this meaningful life that Christ has given us. And so we want people to live a life of meaning and purpose and significance now. And we are trying to do that uh, also by planting like-minded churches throughout the peninsula. So that's our what, right? I should have read it and it would have been way quicker and probably clearer, but that's our what. So our how. The core values. We've got those that we're walking through. We've already walked through several, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I've been listening to messages the past a couple weeks, and I spend a ton of time re-preaching each one of these. That's how excited I am about it. But I'm just going to read them quickly tonight instead of re-preach each one. If you've missed it, please go back and listen to the podcast. But the first one is this, is to be an enthusiastic encourager. We should be a church, as followers of Christ, we should be people that encourages the other in Christ, that we should be pointing to Jesus and pointing out him in each of our lives. We want to fight for clarity. Too often times, too often times, our opinions, our preferences, our ideas, our feelings, all of those things go unsaid, unclarified, and what happens is there becomes a rift, there becomes a division, and the church is known for division or opinions or separation more than it's known for unity. Jesus said that we would, that he would be known by how we love each other, and so we want to fight for unity. The way we fight for unity is to fight for clarity, right? So we fight for clarity. We believe in people, believe in people. Romans tells us that when we were at our worst, Jesus came for us at that point. And so we believe in people when they least expect it and they least deserve it. 
We believe in people because Jesus loves them and he believes in them. We fight to believe for people. Diversity invites opportunity. I left this in your notes, but our circles cannot be one-dimensional in race or experience. If you're living a life where you do not have diversity in your life, whether it be with people in different backgrounds, different experiences, people that look different than you, people that are older than you, people that are younger than you. If our church doesn't look that way, there's something broken. Because I can tell you this, heaven is going to be a very diverse place, right? It's going to be a super diverse place. And he's wanting that to be seen and experienced now that the strength of the church is each of us in our uniqueness as we've been created in his uniqueness and his love to come together to reflect his beauty and his glory. And so we need to come together and celebrate diversity. We need to champion diversity, desire it, seek it out. And so if you're not doing that in your own circles, you need to start doing that, right? Go to a life group. Go to a different uh you know, just do different things. After service, go and you see somebody, you're just like, they come here all the time. I see them all the time. They're different than me. I, I'm going to go out to dinner with them. I'm going to take them out to dinner and start that relationship because I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. It's going to invite opportunity into your life. And the more we fight for it as a church, it's going to give us opportunity as a church to do the things that God's called us to, right? It's so hard to not preach these things. They're so good. All right. So we talked about for the past two weeks expectation shapes reality. I did not put this in your notes, and that's my fault, so you can write that one in, but it's expectation shapes reality. This one I want to give a little bit of a thought on for a second because it's so crucial to understand this. The, the way we had originally written it out, it was that expectation creates reality. And, and I felt like, no, I need to change that because I want to make sure that we're not fostering or teaching something that is untrue and unbiblical. Expectation, so clearly we changed that word shape from create to shapes reality on purpose. Because expectation in itself, if we were to say expectation creates reality, then it would be something that's contrary to the gospel. If we were to go through and say, if I, I just expect something hard enough, if I believe for something hard enough, then it's going to happen. Like there's nothing that's farther from the truth, Right? Like, if, you, if you're just like, man, I, I just, I'm just going to believe and believe and believe and expect and expect that my boss is going to give me that pay raise, but you don't put in the work, you don't do the things that are above and beyond, you don't just go through, you just think it's supposed to come because you're a Christian and because you love Jesus and you're a good person, I'm just telling you, there's nothing further from the gospel. Because the gospel tells us that we are to live a God-centered life, an other-centered life. And if we say, I'm expecting and I'm believing and I'm just saying, if I believe hard enough, I expect enough, then this is going to happen. Man, that's a me-centered gospel. And that's what Jesus came to eliminate. Right? So expectation shapes reality. What we've been talking about is that what we need to do as a follower of Christ is to redirect our expectations. That our expectations are not, I'm going to get if I believe enough, but our expectations are that no matter what, God is at work, God is present, God is good, God is faithful, and God has already won in that place. God has already spoke life into that place. There is strength, there is healing, there is wholeness in that place. I'm going to, in that moment, expect God to show up and do what he set out to do. That our expectation is not I'm going to get, but our expectation is, is God's going to show off in this place, 
right? So if you're in a place where you're just saying, I, 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 I mean, I, life right now, it's, it's not going the way that I want it to, that you look at that and you say, I know it's painful, I know it's difficult, there's loss, but I can still expect that God has good planned for and prepared for in that place. That I'm expecting God to show up there, and when my expectations are on him and the victory that is found in Christ, then it changes your attitude, it changes your heart, and it begins to shape the things that you're expecting, that you're looking for. So instead of looking for things directed towards you or looking for reasons for God or proof for God's love. Instead, you look into that situation and you're looking for God. And what you then find is reasons for life and proof of his love. Right? And so it's, this, it's a change of perspective. It's a, I'm going to expect something different. And that's going to shape the reality of what's really going on. Because you got a false reality of what you want, what you desire, what you long for. As scripture tells us, right, that our heart is wicked above all else. Right? So the things that we truly desire, the things that we want, even if we have the best intentions, if we're focused on ourselves, it's going to pull us away from God instead of into God's presence and the things that he wants for us. So what we're doing is I want that reality to be gone. I want his reality to be present. So I'm expecting whatever happens, wherever I find myself, whatever I'm going through, that God's going to show up in that place and he's got good planned for and prepared for. And that's what I'm going to find and see, right? So expectation shapes that reality. Is that good? So good. So in that, we're going to move tonight to a new one. I love just even as I was reflecting and going over that last one, I found John chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus is talking, and he says uh, the, he's getting criticized by some Pharisees for walking through a field and picking grain. And he says to them in John chapter 5, verse 17, he says, my father is at work. He's always working, and so am I. One of the things we talked about the past couple weeks is, is when you're going through anything, even if it seems simple or if it seems so real and it's painful that you can look into that place and you can say God's got something planned for he's got something he's doing that you're looking because you're expecting God to be there because you have a faith and a confidence that God is always at work right he's always at work and I love the idea that Jesus is saying listen my father he's always working and then he ties in and so am I and so am I and so this is the call for us, is that we should always, as followers of Christ, be engaged in the work that God has us, that we see that God is at work in all things, that through our lives, through our circumstances, through our situations, through the places he has us, our relationships, any of those things, that God is at work so that he can be glorified, and through our lives, others can come to know him. So he's always working. So we're looking, we're constantly looking. Where's God at? What is he doing right now in this moment? How is he working things out? I want to be a part of what he's doing. So that means what? That we should always be at work. Right? That we should always be at work. So tonight with that, we're going to talk about serving. And so the principle, the value that we're going to be walking through tonight is participation leads to transformation. Participation leads to transformation. Can we pray real quick? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to jump into your word. Father, let the truth of your word ring true in this moment. May your Holy Spirit lead and direct and guide and speak during this time. Father, may you draw us close to you. May you draw our hearts close to you. Father, we pray, Lord, for a fresh revelation 
an encouragement to see your goodness and your faithfulness in your word. God, that our lives will be set on fire to live for your glory. God, we just thank you for that. We love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have in your text there, or you can turn in your Bibles, we'll be in Exodus, we'll starting there and then jumping to Romans chapter 12, but Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, this is a fascinating text, I was just reading this the other day and it jumped out to me, I was like, this is just absolutely incredible, but this is the time when the Israelites, they have been freed by Pharaoh to go out and to begin their journey into the wilderness to worship God, and so they're making their way out to the Red Sea, and as they're coming to the Red Sea, they see the... Egyptians have now begun to pursue them, and so they're just kind of like, what's going on here? Uh, what did you do to us? And so they've got all these things going through their mind, and in verse 13 of chapter 14, Moses tells the people this, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I love it, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And then in verse 15, I absolutely love this. So this is Moses talking to the Israelites. He's speaking to them. And he's saying, hey, just stay calm. Stand still. You're going to see God working for you today. You're going to see him doing something today. And then Moses goes and he speaks to the Lord. Actually, the Lord speaks to Moses and he says this. Why are you crying out to me? I think a powerful principle to pull from this that we're not going to talk on long tonight, but I want to hit on this, is it doesn't show in here that Moses was actually praying. It doesn't show that he actually said anything. It shows that he was speaking to the Israelites, and then God spoke to him and said, why are you crying out? It's a, a sense that Moses as a leader, Moses as a, 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 someone who's following God and entrusting God, he's constantly in a place of prayer. His mind is constantly on, God, what are you doing? God, where are you going to show up? God, what are you doing in this moment? Because I love what he's speaking right here to the Israelites. He's speaking to them about expectation. He's speaking to them about faith. He's saying, just stand still and watch, right? Just stand still. Have faith that God is going to do something. Stand still. Trust him in this moment and watch how have expectation in his heart. He's saying, what is God going to do? How's God going to show up? He's done a lot of amazing things over the past couple weeks, so what is he going to do in this moment? His heart, his mind, he's constantly saying, God, where are you at? What are you going to do? How's this going to work out? And so God knows what's going on in his mind, in his heart, and God speaks to him where he is. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that incredible? So verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Tell the people to get moving. And when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So in this verse, we see something incredible that's true in our lives that shapes the way that we should follow Christ. We see their faith, Moses speaking to them, have faith, stand still. And then we see Moses speaking to them, just trust and watch for what God's doing. So have faith, trust, watch, have expectation, look out, anticipate that God's getting ready to do something, right? So Moses is speaking to them, and then what happens after that? God speaks to him, and as you sit in a place of faith and a place of expectation, then your life moves into a place of action and revelation. 
That you move into a place where you're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm unsure about what's happening. And you're praying and you're sensing. And then you have faith. You trust that God is at work. You trust that God's going to do something. You begin to expect that God's going to show up. You begin to expect that God's going to work things out. And as you get into that place, God's going to speak to you. And he's going to say, just get moving. Just get moving. They're sitting there at the bank of the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming towards them. God, who had been sitting in front of them as a cloud, then picks up the cloud, moves behind them, between them and the Egyptians, and it's a pillar of fire now separating the Egyptians and the Israelites. The Egyptians stand still. Pretty smart, right? God tells the Israelites to stand still, to wait. And in that moment of anticipation and a moment of that working, he tells them to get moving. Towards what? Towards water. Towards a sea, right? It requires bold faith, a confident faith, an expectation that God's going to do something. And Moses steps into that place. It requires us. When you begin to walk out in the faith and the trust that God has given you, and you walk with a sense of expectation, you cannot live a sedentary life. You cannot live an actionless life. You have to live a passionately engaged life, walking towards the things that God has given you to do. And so when you are in a place of faith and expectation, it moves you into action. And as you begin to walk in action, you're going to see a revelation of who he is in a way that you've never seen it before. So, where are we at tonight? So that's our text that we're starting with, and we're going to work out of the text in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Romans chapter 12, you see it in your notes. You can turn to it if you'd like to, but Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Why is this topic that we're talking about tonight, about serving, about participating in the things that God's given us, why is it important for us to talk about? It's important for us to talk about because even though it's not something that is popular to talk about, it's not something that we enjoy, right? Like we don't enjoy like, okay, I need to do more and I need to change things because if you're going to do more, guess what? That means your schedule is going to change, your priorities have to change, and come on, who likes change? Who likes change? Let's see it. Come on, hands if you like change. All right, there's just a couple of us weird birds, right? How many of you don't like change? All right, all right? And you would include in that me just stopping talking, asking you to do something right now. You're like, I don't even like this right now, right? Like there's some of it we don't like change. And so it's not popular for us to, to, to talk about this because we know that there's responsibility when we talk about these things. But I want you to lean into this because it's something massively important in our lives as a follower of Christ. If you're even interested, if you're not following Christ, you don't even know who God is. You're just curious to see if he really is real and what this thing's about. I'm telling you, leaning into the moments that God's inviting you to participate in what he's doing, there's nothing more important for you to be aware of and engaged in. And so I know it's countercultural. When I even do, I did a, a simple Google search trying to find something, and it was the idea of serving. First two pages were nothing but sermons and ideas about serving others. It's countercultural. Our culture is about what I do and how I'm supposed to get ahead and how I'm supposed to lead and how I'm supposed to uh, encourage people to help me. But our our creator, our, our, our Lord, he shows us and models for us that this life, it's not about what we can get, but it's about what he's given us freely in his grace so that we can give to others. 
It's about service. That's what this whole thing's about. That's what the gospel is about. And so we've got to step into this. And also, too, I just want to say this. Like, I know, I want to be very aware that when we talk about serving in the church, there's a lot of people that are very hesitant and don't want to get engaged in that because you've been a part of unhealthy churches in the past. You've been a part of situations in the past where just, just being honest, we as churches, we don't always do a good job of taking care of people. We don't always do a good job of setting up an, a model that encourages people in Christ and protects them and pushes them into the destiny that God has for them. So I know there's hurts and I know there's wounds. We're going to talk about those over the next couple of weeks. But I want you to know that if that is true in your life and that's a reality in your life, don't let that be a reason to check out and not listen to the profound truth of what is in Scripture when it comes to this life of service. Because it's the way Jesus came to live and, it said, and he says it's the way that we're supposed to live. Right? When he clarified what this whole thing's about, what did he say? To love God. And to love others, what? As he loves us. Right? It's about service. That's what this whole thing's about. Is that good stuff? You still with me? So listen, here's what, this is so important. It's so important because if you want to see transformation in your life, if you're at a place where you want to see growth, if you're at a place where you say, this is where I've been for a long time and I want to be in a new place. If you're in a place where you say, I don't feel like I'm in the best place, I don't feel like I'm in a healthy place, and I want to get out of that. Wherever you might be, if you're like, I'm in a really good place, and I just love Jesus, and I love the church, and I love people, and you're just a super positive, optimistic person, you're like, and I want more of them. Like, it's important for us to understand this, because growth, transformation, all of that happens through serving. So if you find yourself at a place where you're saying, I want to grow, I want to see transformation in my life, I want to see change in my life, you can ask this one simple question. It's in your notes. This one simple question, wherever you are, and it's a question you should regularly ask yourself. If you're ever sensing a need for change, you're sensing that something is changing, you're sensing that something's out of balance, not working correctly, this is the question you need to ask yourself. Am I intentionally seeking opportunity to serve God and others? Am I intentionally seeking opportunity to serve God and others? Whenever I talk with people in counseling settings, one of the first questions I'll usually ask is, is where you're serving. If I don't know, I'll ask, where, is, where are you serving? Where are you engaged? Are you serving in the church somewhere? Are you serving the community somewhere? Are you serving in your uh, business somewhere? Are you serving in your workplace somewhere? Are you serving in your community somewhere? Like, where are you serving? And if they say, well, I'm not I make the whole first session about where we're going to start doing that. Because I honestly believe if you want to see growth, if you want to see transformation in your life, it starts with you living your life for God and others. And as you begin to lift your eyes off of yourself and your circumstances, that's when God's able to begin to change your heart and set you free to live the life that he wants you to live. So it's an important question for you to ask because expectation says God is at work and faith says I want to be a part of that work. Expectation says God's at work, he's always working, he's always at, at play, there's something always happening, whatever the circumstance is, God is doing something, he's actively engaged in that moment, and faith says, I want to be a part of that work because he's invited me to be, and he's given me the strength to be, right? So that's where we should be, and that's where we should be engaged. So I'm going to give you a couple points tonight, 
on why serving is so important and how serving can make a difference in your life. So we're going to walk through a couple of these tonight. Next week we'll walk through a couple more and then I'm going to give a couple of just practical points when it comes to serving and our idea towards serving and then we'll move on to the next value from there. Sound good? You sound super excited about it, so that's good. So, first one. Serving, participation, you can ever see, like if you see the word serving, just go ahead and just think of the word participation. Because that's what serving is. It's participating in the work of God, right? Serving induces maturity. Serving induces maturity. Serving leads to, serving encourages maturity. Serving induces maturity. Bible knowledge, listen, if you could spend all the time, I talked about this in our pre-service prayer uh, with all of those that were serving tonight. I just want to encourage them. We've got an incredible group of people that serve in this church. Some of them week in and week out. They give of themselves so selflessly. Uh, it's incredible. Blown away by them on a regular basis of their sacrifice so that we can sit in these seats, so that we can experience these things, so that your kids can be loved on, so that we can have incredible worship moments. It's so incredible, right? I was, I was telling them, you could spend all the time you wanted to reading your Bible. You can just lock yourself up. Say for the next year, I'm going to go through and I'm going to read my Bible for, uh, I'm going to go through and I'm going to read it 12 times, once a month, you know, through this whole next year. And you're just going to spend this entire year just locked up doing that. And you're going to listen to all of my podcasts where you do. Okay, maybe somebody better. You're going to listen to somebody else's podcast over the whole next year. And you're going to spend it. You're going to listen to every Hillsong worship album. And you're just going to just soak it all up. And you're just going to become, you know, you're going to read, uh, different devotional books and commentaries and you're going to take a, a theology class online. You could expand your knowledge as much as you want to and you may or may not come out of that place changed. But if you jump into a place of putting others before yourself, especially if you put others before yourself because you are putting God above everything else, you will absolutely see change and transformation in your life every single day time. You can see this life that God has called us to live and your life will grow as you give yourself to serving others. You will see yourself mature. You will see yourself understand things in a whole new way. You'll see yourself living out in a whole new way. You'll see a, just a different presence and consonance about yourself. People will say, there's just something different about you. You seem like a new person. And there's times I love it when uh, I see, like, especially teens, they go through and they get this principle and they live this out. You know, people come, you just seem so mature for your age. It's something that can be physically seen in a person's life. When you live a life of service, it induces maturity. There's a study that was recently done by Lifeway. Um, Lifeway did a survey. There's a uh, discipleship program they have called Transformational Discipleship. And it's an online thing. You can go and you can take a, uh, like a, a survey to find your spiritual gifts. And as you're going through to do that, they ask you questions about where you kind of operate in different disciplines. So, you know, how much do you read your Bible? How much do you pray? Like they go through and they ask questions on how much you do that stuff. One of the most amazing things they found in the study was is that people that rank the highest in serving others, the people that ranked the highest in serving others were also the people that ranked the highest in what they got from the Bible, what they got as far as stepping out and witnessing, what they got as far as giving. So basically to say the people that serve others, that their score was the highest in those areas, they were the ones that were most engaged in living a disciplined and active Christian life. And the ones that ranked the lowest 
on serving others, even if their scripture reading was through the roof, or even if all these things, that they, when they ranked on that, they saw other areas of their lives considerably way less than other people. If you want to mature and grow in your relationship with God, you want to experience new things, you want to walk out a life, if you want to grow as a follower of Christ, you want to grow in your relationship with him, you want to grow in your knowledge of him, not knowledge of stuff, but knowledge of him and awareness of his presence, it begins by stepping out and to serve others. And so why we're talking about this as a church is because it's our responsibility. One of my primary roles as a pastor is to not teach. One of my primary roles as a pastor in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells us, is to there. So I'm the there, right? Celeste and Chandler, uh, Kim and Terrence, they're the theirs, they're the elders, right? The Williams, us, those that are leaders in the church, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It's our job is to go out and say, hey, listen, there's something that you can do. There's something that you can be engaged in. Here's a place that you can serve. Here's a place that you can jump in. Here's a place that you can help out. Why? Because it's going to grow you. It's going to mature you. He goes on to say this in verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That as we serve, as we fall into this place where the leaders of the church, and as you become a leader of the church, as we are leaders of the church, encourage people to serve, to give of themselves for the benefit of others and the glory of God. As we do that, we the church and we as individuals, we mature in our knowledge of God, our life of God, our understanding of Christ and the fullness of who he is in this place and in this moment. That's one of the reasons that we have a wide open door at City Life. One of the things we talk about, this principle of participation leads to transformation, it's, it's a statement that we have a wide open door to allow people to be engaged and serve in different areas in the church. There are many people that we have asked to, that have, that are engaged in serving in the church that maybe some other churches have said no to them or maybe some other churches would say no to them. There's people that I've been a part of other churches. It's like if you're, you know, if you're not a Christian, if you're not doing this, if you're not doing that, then you can't play you know, up on the stage and play guitar. You know? And we're just like, no, if you want to play guitar and you want to be a part of it, then come on up here, whether you believe in Jesus or not. And some of you might be like, I don't know if I agree with that. I can tell you this. Willingness is the first step in transformation. If somebody's willing to be where God is and willing to expose themselves to the work God's doing, God is already doing a work in them. And if they're participating, encourages them to step into that place, they're going to begin to mature and understand God. And they're going to begin to grow in a way that they never would by just sitting in the chair. Participation leads to transformation. As we serve, it leads to maturity. It induces maturity. It opens our eyes to who God is and what God is doing. And so we've got to be engaged in a part of the things that we're doing. I do want to say this, just so you know, just in case that kind of eliminate any nerves or fear. Uh, we are very particular, and we're very protective of our kids, right? And so we've got strict background screenings. We're not just like, yeah, come on in, take care of the kids. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, uh, we're, we're going to be careful. We're going to be cautious. So we do national background screenings for sex offenders. We do all of that stuff to really protect our kids because that's an important responsibility of ours as the church, right? 
How many of you can appreciate that, right? But when it comes to serving on our, um, uh, what we call the SLT, our Saturday Life team, or if it comes to serving up here on the worship team, or if it comes to serving in different areas that doesn't inv in involve minors, we're really open to people jumping in, and we want people to jump in because we understand the truth of this principle, that when you participate in the things of God, you expose yourself to the work of God, it changes you, and it shapes the life that you're going to live in God. And I want people to be a part of that way sooner than instead of just saying, no, you can't. Right? Should have got a lot of amens off of that. You can even see scriptural uh, points for this. Man, I'm nowhere even close to the end of my message. Okay. Okay. So, you can even see scriptural references. I love Paul. He, encourses, he encouraged Titus uh, in chapter 1. He's telling Titus, hey, listen, I've left you there on the island of Crete so that you could build up elders. And then he goes through and he says, even one of their own prophets calls them gluttons and liars and cheats and calls them uh, just awful people. And then Paul in verse 13 says, and it's true, right? Like these are some of the worst people uh, that are out there. They're horrible people. Uh, they're good for nothing, he says in verse 16. They're good for nothing people. And I want you to use those people, right? I want you to reach those people and raise them up to be leaders. So it's, it's a responsibility of ours to be engaged in this life and saying, hey, if you are in a place where you're willing to expose yourself to the things that God's doing, that you want to grow in your relationship with God, it starts by you participating. And so if you're in a place in your walk with God, if you're worried, if you're burnt out, if you're tired, if you're just downright bored and following Jesus, listen to me. If you're angry, if you're hurt, if you need a, a, a place where you're just like, I just need to heal, I need some time just to figure some things out, can I just encourage you to not tap out but to jump in, to say, look, listen, God is at work, and if I can jump into the things that he's doing, he's going to bring me along, he's going to do a work in me way faster than if I try to do this thing on my own, as I jump in to serve people and put other people first, that God's just going to fix things and heal things and strengthen me and put people in my life to speak to me and to help me see things in a way I never see it. If I just try to do it on my own, I'm going to miss all of that. So if you're in a place where you need to see God grow in your life, you need to mature, you need to move on past something, you just need new energy in your walk with Jesus, jump in and find a place to serve. Jump in, put other people first, and do it because you know that they matter to God, and you're doing it so they can come to know God. I'm telling you, if you do that, the way God's got his kingdom set up is that he will take care of you. He tells us all the time, Matthew chapter 6, that we shouldn't worry about the small little details. And what he usually includes, small little details, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you look like, what your job is. Like, I've got all that stuff taken care of. If you'll just seek my kingdom first, if you seek me, where am I at? Where am I engaged? You're looking. What is God doing? Where is God working? You have a sense of anticipation, expectation that God is engaged in this world and drawing people close to him. And he wants to do that through you and through your life. And you say, that's what I want to be a part of that's what I want to do when you come into that place God's going to take care of all the other stuff man that's so good hopefully you get that this is what Paul's trying to tell us in Romans chapter 12 verse 11 he's not saying he's saying in just he's, in Romans chapter 12 verse 11 he's saying don't get lazy don't burn out don't stop don't be lagging live a vibrant full life in Christ 
Don't get tired. Don't just become lazy in following Jesus. And how does he tell us to do that? What does he tell us that we should be doing? We should be loving Jesus and serving him enthusiastically, right? But how, does he, how do we love Jesus? How do we live this vibrant life for him? He bookends verse 11 by verse 10. What does verse 10 say? It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. He goes on in verses 12 and 13 of serving people. How do you stay vibrant in your walk with Christ? How do you engage? The message translation says, set your life aflame. How do you build yourself up? How do you make yourself ready to do the things that God's called to? By serving others. Because you have a gift to give that is unique to you that God gave you so that the church can be encouraged and see God in a whole new way. Serving leads to maturity and you have a gift to give. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Serving induces maturity. Serving induces maturity. Secondly, serving, I'm going to go through these real quick. Serving invigorates expectation. Serving invigorates expectation. In verse, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says, keep yourselves fueled. Uh, in the message translation, in the, in the uh, New Living Translation, it says, but work hard. In the New American Standard Bible, it says this. It says, not lagging behind in diligence. The word there is diligence. It's the best way to uh, put it out. The, uh, the Greek word for that is spude. I just wanted to put that in there because I thought that was funny, spude. But it's, this, it's, it's haste. It's with haste. It's with earnestness. It's to say, I want to be a part of what God's doing. I know that he's at work and I want to be a part of it. And I'm going to be quick to respond. I'm going to be quick to jump in. And as you jump in and you say, oh, God's at work. I'm going to jump into that. Oh, God's working in that place. Oh, I can serve that person. I can help them. I can encourage them. As you jump into those places, God begins to work up in you. And he begins to build expectation in you and helps you to become active in the life that he's called you to. Because the tendency of Christianity is activity. The tendency of Christianity is activity. When you go through and you look at scripture, whenever God calls somebody to trust him and follow them in faith, they have a lot of things to do. When the church came into its full fruition after the day of Pentecost and Peter stood up and preached and thousands came to know him, the church became super active, engaged in serving each other, loving each other, giving sacrificially for the benefit of others. And as that happened, the church grew more and more. The church is one of the leading, I know the church gets a bad rap in history, but the church has helped to shape culture in a way that nothing else has. Women have more rights and abilities because of the the church. There's all kinds of businesses and ideas and principles and all kinds of things that have happened. I know sometimes it has been pretty, sometimes it has been ugly, but there's, there, there's people that stand up because of what God did in their life that they became active, engaged in cultural issues. And we now live in a different world, in a different society because somebody came in contact with a God who loved them and chose them and there was an activity, there was an engagement, there was an expectation that was built in their life to go and and do what God had done for them to put others first. Where others devalued people, a Christian should come in and value people and love them and point out their uniqueness that they are made in God's image. And the church has been behind those things. The church has helped to encourage those things because 
When we come in contact with who God is, he invigorates us. He stirs us up. He moves us into a place of activity and action because we should be diligently engaged in work wherever we are with whatever we're doing because you have a gift to give and this life that you've been given to live is to help others to come to know Jesus. Thirdly, serving instills confidence. Serving instills confidence. In Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to skip a bunch of what's there in your notes. Verse 18, it says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Those of us that have seen Jesus, those of us that are souls have longed for him, those of us that have seen there is no other hope than Jesus, no other truth than Jesus as we've run to him for refuge, we've run to him for peace, we've gone to cling to him. In verse 18 it's telling us that he was there, that we're able to find him, that we're actually able to cling to him, that Jesus though he's sitting at the right hand of the Father has sent his spirit to be present in us, that God is with us, that God is leading us and directing us and guiding us, it helps us to have a sense of confidence. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says this, and this hope, this hope that he's with us, this hope that we have life now and forever, this hope that Jesus is real and did what he said he was coming to do and accomplished all things through the cross and life. This is our hope. We will not, that this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Serving instills confidence to know that God is with us. The worship team can come up. Serving ignites passion. Serving ignites passion. In Acts chapter 18 verse 25 tells us the story of Apollos. Apollos was a guy who lived some distance from Jerusalem, but over time, as things were traveling and information was traveling, Apollos heard about John the Baptist and the, mission, and the work that John was doing. And Apollos, as his teacher of God's word, as somebody who studied God's word, he knew that it was time, he knew the signs were there, he was anticipating, he had an expectation that the Messiah was about to show up. So when he heard John's work, he began to get excited and teach scriptures and to teach people in his community that God was coming, that God was sending, that God was loving. And so he began to teach and he began to teach all of these things. And then one day, some people come into his community. I'm trying to remember the names right now and I can't right now. One of them is Phineas, I know that. Because it makes me think of Phineas and Ferb every time. Priscilla and Aquila. How was wrong? Way off. Okay. Priscilla and Aquila. So they heard him preaching, it says, boldly in the synagogue. Boldly in the synagogue. It says he only knew of John's baptism. He hadn't even heard yet of all that had happened. He hadn't even heard yet of Jesus' death and resurrection. He hadn't even understood all that had happened. All that he was anticipating had already taken place. So they pulled him aside and they shared all the information with him and they told him. And guess what? He's gift was teaching. 
He had anticipation and expectation that God was doing something. God was at work and his gift just began to come out as he had an expectation, as he was living his life in faith, waiting for God, looking for God. His gift already was becoming in use and he was serving and teaching and encouraging and exciting people. And then Aquila and Priscilla, they come into his community and they hear him teach and they're like, hey, listen, what you're waiting for, it's already happened. And it sets him on fire. Where does he go? He goes to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, he goes and he becomes a bold teacher, the truth of Jesus Christ to those that were trying to fight against it and squelch it. His gift was engaged because of his anticipation and expectation that God was at work. And then as he received Jesus, stepped into the truth of who Jesus was, the fullness of his gift, it was released. Because when you step into a place to say, I'm willing to put others first, I'm willing to be engaged in this life that God has called me to live, what happens is, is the divine destiny that God has placed in your life, it is released, it is set free for you to be engaged in the work that God is doing, for you to find your place, for you to be active in the things that God's doing and the things that he's wanting to do through you that nobody else can do. And Apollos, who was a guy who was unaware of all the details that happened, now became this teacher who was there debating with people that were present in the very city that everything took place. Your gifts, your gifts are supposed to be used in service of others. And when you do it, it ignites a passion that nobody can put out. If you want to live a bold, mature life in Christ, if you want to walk with confidence, if you want to walk with expectation, if you want to walk with passion, it starts by being engaged, by participating in the things that God is actively doing. So tonight, I'm not even going to give you any examples. I could say you could jump in here, here, here. I'm going to do it next week. So if you don't come, I'm going to judge you. But if you come this week, I want you to at least, I'm just kidding about that. I'm never going to judge you. But if you're here this week, I want God to speak to you. Because even now in this moment, I know there's places where you're sitting there just going, I know I could do this. I know that I could be better at serving that person. Maybe he's given you ideas of how you could serve your spouse or how you could serve your children or how you could serve your boss or how you could serve your neighbor or how you can serve in the church or how you can serve in your community. There's already things that are stirred in your mind. Listen, God wants you to be engaged in those things because there's a work that he's doing in all of the lives that come in contact with those circles. And not only that, but he wants you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you to walk with confidence and passion and zeal and excitement and strength and who he is. And it's set out to be done in no other way than saying, I see all that you've done and I'm engaged in the work that you're doing. I trust that you are good and I wanna live this life out for you. I wanna put others above me and I want to put you above all things. And if you step into that life, I'm just telling you, it will never be the same for you. It will never be the same for you. And I, I just want to encourage you to trust and to step into those places. I was recently reading, I wasn't going to include this, but Monica told me I should, so I'm going to. I was just recently reading and a guy said, he said, listen, he's like, you need to serve way more than we need your help. You need to serve way more than we need your help. If you jump in and you be a part of the things that God's doing, I'm telling you, it's going to be a huge benefit for you. It's going to be a huge blessing for you. It's going to be something that's going to radically change your life and set you free to live the life that God has for you. So, Father, I just pray in this moment, each and every one of us as we're sitting here, Lord, 
God, help us to see and to be aware of your faithfulness and your goodness. That you could have just left us right where we were. You could leave us to fend for ourselves. You could leave us just to, uh, <laughs> to want things and to never receive. You could leave us to, to hope for things and to never experience. But God, you came you conquered sin, you conquered death, you conquered hell, you conquered the grave to set us free to live out the divine potential that you placed in each and every one of our lives. You've set us free for life. And this life, this abundant life, it's about seeing you, experiencing you, knowing you, watching you, just seeing all that you're doing in our lives, that our hearts be moved to awe and just adoration and love and compassion and zeal. And that in that place that we move to serving, that we move to putting others above ourselves to point to you. God, I pray that each and every one of us in this place tonight, myself included, wherever we are, Father, I pray that you give us the strength you give us the ability through your Holy Spirit to be ready, to be quick, to jump in with haste, to be engaged in the things that you're doing, to participate in your work. And God, as we participate in those things, that you transform us, that you shape us, that you grow us, that you work in us, the things that we've desired to be different, to be gone, to be changed, to be moved on. God, that we will see them fall away as we put you first and others above ourselves. Lord, we pray that Jesus will become supreme on our lives and that we will care only about the work that is set out and being done through him and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.